Hello and welcome to The Crux of the Matter, the show by pastors for pastors. My name is Pastor Todd Peppercorn. And I'm Pastor Scott Stigmeyer. And we are here today to talk about the wild and wacky and weird. I uh, And I'm not just talking about my district convention, which I just got back from. <clears throat> But uh, we've we've continued before we get going on that. I guess we've continued to have uh, uh, have a uh, sort of steady stream or smattering of uh, feedback, mostly along the lines of "Thanks for doing this. Keep up the good work," and uh, we appreciate all of that feedback. The most useful feedback that you can give to us, bar none, is to go and do a review on iTunes. That is a, a really really helpful thing. Go to the crux of the matter net. And if you go to the subscribe and iTunes button um, or link, you will f- you will find it and just leave a review or even a rating. Uh, that that is the most useful thing that you can do for us. So I hope that you're able to do that. <clears throat> but now that we've actually gotten going, how are you, Scott? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am uh, coming off of a uh, a little trip. I'm in the. Yeah. California, Nevada, Hawaii district of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And so we had our district convention last Friday to Sunday. We finished at about uh, 11 o'clock Sunday morning, much to my annoyance, truth be told. Um, and uh, so I got, got, back from, uh, got back from that not too uh, Sunday afternoon, later Sunday afternoon. So I'm kind of in catch up mode still. You know yeah. how that goes. Yeah. I hate it when they have district conventions over the weekend. Yeah. One of the things that I actually really appreciated about our convention is that we passed a resolution that they not be go over a Sunday again. There so, you go. yeah. So that'll last at least until the next convention. And then we'll see if there's another resolution to have them on Sundays. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. we'll see. Well, I understand. You never can tell. I understand that for the lay delegates, if they work, you want to have it over a weekend where they can come. But to have it over a Sunday and have, and require all your pastors to come, it, it just causes problems. Yep. Yeah. It's it just becomes messy for pretty much every congregation in the entire district. Right. And right. While I can I can see the benefit, sort of. Ultimately. I don't think it's worth it. No. I don't think it's a good idea. No, end but, it on Saturday night if you have to. Yeah. Yeah, or even Saturday, Saturday afternoon in our case, since we include Hawaii in our district, oh, you really yeah. have to allow for some real real travel time in our case. But, yeah, um, yeah and as do you with English district, because oh, you've yeah. got people coming from all over the country too. It's coast so, to coast. Yeah. I wonder how long it'll be until we uh, until we start to have – uh, conventions all electronically, one great big Skype call. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, we're already know. starting to vote that way. Yep. Yep. The presidential election, at least, is, uh, is done that way, which arguably is one of the most important things a convention does. And if we can yeah. do that over electronics, it seems like we could do a lot of the lesser things over the web as well. One would think. I've always, I, I thought when that, uh, when that passed in 2010, I kind of thought of that as the, uh, in, incumbent claiming act or something like that, that, that I think that that makes it almost impossible for an incumbent to be unseated. Yeah. Um, but they'd have to be really bad. It's a whole nother topic. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They would have to be really, really bad. And we are just not going to go there, Scott. No. We're not going to do it. No, no, no. <laughs> so, 
so our um, our topic du jour for the week is a uh, is kind of a strange one, um, but I think that I can I can pull this in, and in order to uh, in order to kind of get us in, I have to set the stage a little bit. Um, and this is the this is the stage. So we had our um, we had our our uh, district convention. A part of our district convention, and a part of the reason why it was over a Sunday was because most of f- Saturday was taken up with a missions conference. So we had a bunch of speakers in, um, and about five six hours taken up in kind of typical conference type stuff. There are breakout sectionals, then there's a couple plenary speakers, this sort of thing, all which is fine. Um, then at the end of the convention, the next morning, uh, Sunday morning, I'm sitting with my lay delegate at the restaurant eating a $20 eggs Benedict as one does at conventions. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we see some people walk past dressed up in superhero costumes. And I think to myself, "Hmm, isn't that interesting? Which Missouri Senate pastors are those? Exactly. <laughs> now that's bringing clown ministry to a whole nother level. Right. Um, so, and, and I had seen a couple people in uh, in costume the day before, and so I knew that something was going on. So I did a little bit of a digging on my phone and found out that at the convention center, we were actually at the hotel, but the connected convention center at the convention center is going on the Big Wow Comic Con comic comics convention. And uh, what was and so the that's title of that again? Are. Uh, the big wow comic con <laughs> big wow yeah. you know you can sort of imagine a a batman sort of pow right, or something right. like yeah, that yeah i don't think you said up. it right big wow i probably did right big wow comic con or maybe big wow comic con <laughs> i don't know anyway yeah. um so this is so this is what's going on and i mentioned to my lay delegate man i haven't been to one of those things in 25 years. It would be really interesting to, uh, to just go over and walk around and just, and just look around. The guy behind us reaches over and hands us two tickets. <laughs> and we're like, Oh, thank you very much. That's really kind of you. Why are you doing this? And he says, well, I own it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so this is the owner of the Comic Con and it wasn't anybody, uh, famous, at least not, not that I know of, but, uh, so he gave us a couple comp tickets. So after the convention, um, my delegate and I go over and we get our, um, we get our badges and, and, and go into this thing. Have you ever been to a comic con before, Scott? No, I haven't. No. Well, this is, this is an experience that I think would be, would be very interesting for your soul. Sure. <laughs> I'll sure. say that. So, so you go in and it's like an exhibit hall and there are, this is a small one. I'm going to guess two to three thousand people there, something okay. like that. Okay. Um, you know, there are comic cons where they have thirty thousand people at. So this is a relatively small one. There are about a hundred, maybe a hundred and fifty displays, and it's everything from uh, comic books. So it's like a comic book store comes and brings all of their all of their wares, new stuff, used stuff, everything. You've got that. You've got. Like Japanese anime displays, you've got um, a couple things of uh, weapons, you know, like a, a a sword that weighs fifty pounds because it's the size of a uh, of a you know like a Japanese anime character sword where it's like a foot and a half thick, this sort of thing. Um, and then in a corner there was a DeLorean, um, you know, set up like from Back to the Future. Next to that is a go- is the Ghostbusters guys. Um, 
everything, everything comics, you know, there's a TARDIS from Star, from, uh, from Doctor Who, there's Star Trek people, there's heaven knows lots and lots of Star Wars stuff. <laughs> and you got a smattering of people dressed up in characters. Mm hmm. And um, and so there's one aisle that is that is basically famous. Um, somebody that uh, that dresses up with these characters is called called cosplay, costume play. Yeah. Um. So famous cosplayers, and in this little subculture, these cosplayers are like gods. <laughs> they are hugely famous. They've got. Lines of people waiting to go and see them, you know, get an autograph, have their picture taken with them. And they're, you know, dressed up as, you know, a Star Trek character or, you know, from a video game or a comic book, kind of any sort of uh, pop culture along that lines. Um, and there are dozens of them and there are hundreds of people lined up to see these people. Yeah. And do you pay for this kind of thing? Well, it. If I had paid for the ticket, remember I had yeah. comped. If yeah. I paid for the ticket, it would have been twenty five dollars, I think, for the day. Yeah, maybe fifty bucks for but, the weekend. But to like line that. up, but to line up with these uh, costumed characters and get your photo. Um, taken. I think that that is a part of the a part of the registration. Hmm, okay. And um, although honestly, I don't know precisely how that works, um, because there were also some, you know, I'll say B level characters. That were, um, you know, actors that were there, the guy that played Apollo in Battlestar Galactica. Um, I'm just looking on the uh, looking on the Cary Graham, who was an alien nation, was there. Tom Felton, who was Draco Malfoy in uh, in the Harry Potter series. So so there are a number of people. And then there's a bunch of uh, comic strip artists that I don't know because I my knowledge of comic comic book art is really limited to the Watchmen. Um, and I, I know who Stan Lee is. I know who Frank Miller is. I know who some of the big, big names are. But um, but I don't know a ton. I know just enough to be dangerous. Right, right. So so this is kind of the, this is kind of the group. Um, and a part of what was interesting about this, to me, was they have a, so so this is, this is not just your, High school nerds going to this. Okay, these are adult nerds. This is not. These are adult nerds. <laughs> yes, probably. Um, and so you get lots and lots of people in their twenties and thirties. Yeah. You've got a, a healthy smattering of people in their forties, but even fifties. A lot of the people running the exhibits were in their fifties and sixties. I'd say, like the owner of a comic book store, like what's his name off of The Simpsons. You you know that character I'm talking about? I can't remember his name. No, but. But then the people that are wandering around, there are also families. There were lots of kids there. There is, I kid you not, a whole area dedicated, a kids play area. So this was okay? family friendly. The, absolutely. This is family friendly. Um, some, of the, uh, some of the cosplay characters' costumes were um, anatomically remarkable. A little, a little racy? Yes. Okay. Yeah, something along those lines. Okay. Um, my elder said that uh, that one of the characters looked like it was a forty-year-old in a million-dollar body. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, a lot of plastic surgery done for uh, many years. Interesting. Um. So, the, but there's a whole area that is dedicated to 
teaching teaching children how to draw comics, mm, okay. how to make cosplay stuff, um, you know, how to make how to make costumes, uh, how to do all of these different role playing games like magic and uh, and these others. Scott, it was Sunday school. It sounds like a subculture. It is a subculture, <laughs> no question. But so they've got Sunday school. They've got um, rituals. They have uh, identifying marks. They've got clothes. They've got um, persecution. They've got identity and belonging. They have all of the things that that we would call a subculture. Mm-hmm. But also, I would suggest all of the things that sound an awful lot like a church. Yeah, it sounds like a religion. Yeah. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm very curious on whether the people there would consider this a religion or not. They probably wouldn't. No, but um, they would probably recognize the similarity. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, if pointed out, uh, at least. Yeah, I suppose it's possible. But um, it, it really struck me. As we were as we were walking through this and seeing all of these people, that you have this huge group of people that, and they're there for fun. You know, this is goofball stuff, but this is also kind of serious. And if you have ever talked with someone that was a serious collector mm-hmm. of, you know, whether you're talking about pens or baseballs, sports memorabilia, guns macrame whatever it is um there is a piece of that of that culture that kind of recognizes on the one hand it's a little silly but also takes it very very seriously well there's a lot of there's a lot of different groups and collectors that could gather together like car shows gun shows sure uh my wife my wife and i when we lived in fort wayne we went to an alpaca convention and uh (laughs) Alpaca raisers, you know, people that raise alpacas. Yep. And there were, of yes. course, there were, of course, zillions of alpacas there too. And, and, um, but you can, As you know, be. right, exactly. You can learn about all the latest techniques for raising them and grooming them and shearing them or whatever you do, skin them. I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to guess that's unlikely. <laughs> yeah, probably not. There. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, yeah. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Subculture so, consuming kind of passion. Right. So, so what, what made me curious on this, and, and I think we could even add that for families, uh, school can become a sort of subculture, uh, the sports in connection with school. Uh, I mean, all you got to do is, is watch the breakfast club to see the, to see the subcultures that uh, that evolve and, and are created in high school. Oh, yeah. Um, or do you remember the, uh, there was a TV show that was on for a while called Freaks and Geeks. Oh, yeah. Did you ever see that show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But there there are lots and lots of them that kind of follow this basic theme. And and at one level, it's obviously, it's fine. We have, you know, people can have hobbies, they can have interests and all of that. Uh, and that's great. That's a part of what makes humanity interesting. But... um at another level, what is it that these people are seeking that they are not finding at church or in their families? So do you think that um, this is acting for at least some people to some extent a substitute for 
for what the church offers, the com- sense of community. Um, I mean, all the things that you mentioned, ways to rear the, rear our young, the sense of identity, the distinguishing marks. I mean, that there's something sort of archetypal about human beings that need this stuff. Um, and, and whereas well, the church it, provides that, they, they maybe don't have that in their church. Yeah, I think that there, I think that that's going on if they have a church at all. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's definitely a, uh, a big, a big question. So that would be um, my, that would be my question, Todd, is I, this would be an interesting sociological study for someone to do is to, is to, uh, poll the people that attend these conventions to see what their church going attendance is like compared to the rest of the population. I'd just be very curious to know. Yeah. I'm not judging, I'm not judging them. I'm not suggesting that they're probably no. pagans or heathens. I don't really know. I'm just curious. Yeah. And, and me too. And, and, and what was also interesting to me was the contrast between this and at least portions of the missions conference <laughs> that I was at the day before. And, and I, I truly don't mishear me here. I don't really mean this as a, as a critique of, Oh, well, we're doing missions wrong and blah, blah, blah. That's not, that's not my point. Um, I don't think that we and I am every bit as guilty of this as anybody else. I don't think that we are even conscious of this sort of subculture concept that um, and and how would we how would we even begin? Let's just say for the sake of arguments that uh, that somebody somebody dressed up as Batman walks into church. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the church. Well, yeah, you know, Batman walks into church on a Sunday, and all right, maybe that's not a good example. As long as it's not but, the pastor, <laughs> not the pastor. <laughs> I seem to remember a classmate of yours that dressed up as Chewbacca once. Yeah, don't. So, yeah, we don't. Uh, we are not going to talk about that. We're not going to go no, there. No. You're right. What am I thinking? Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. how is it that we would even begin a conversation? With um with someone so immersed in a subculture that uh that where do you even start? Uh, in in some respects, I think I think of this as 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 a foreign mission work. Every bit as much as going to Papua New Guinea and learning pidgin English. Well, it's certainly a culture. There, I mean, there's certainly right? there's certainly uh, you know mores that you have to be sensitive to. But Todd, I'd be stunned if there wasn't someone in the evangelical world, say for instance, who wasn't trying to um, bring the gospel into these situations. You sure there was no booth, uh, Comic Con church or anything like that? No, there wasn't, and I was <laughs> and I was pretty pretty explicitly looking for it. <laughs> yeah. Now it, of course, could also be buried pretty deep, and I'm sure that you're right. No, no question about it. But. Um, but as I said, my interest is not is not simply the the Comic Con evangelism. That would be stupid. Yeah. But um <laughs> but but to ask the broader questions of how do we as a church uh create community, provide uh provide community, but not provide community in a way that tries to replace the family or tries to replace uh, something else. I mean, I, I, I don't know. And you, you tell me if I'm crazy on this. Okay. On the one hand, 
we have a tendency, I think, to try and and look at what's going on in the world and say, okay, we're going to replicate that, only we're going to put Jesus in. Okay, so I'm going to make a Comic-Con church, you know, where everyone comes and dresses up as their favorite Bible superhero or whatever. Um, so, so essentially to adapt to whatever the, the culture or subculture is. But just as tempting for us, maybe even more so for curmudgeonly Lutherans like me, um, is, the, is the interest or, or desire to essentially say we are nothing like that. And so we have nothing to do with that. And we reject that, whatever that is. I mean, and you know, and that you pick the subculture we're talking about. And so uh, I end up rejecting any concept of community, of of church as koinonia, as as this actually being a place of belonging, and I make church stuff essentially into intellectual exercises that has no basis in reality. Yeah, you think it's? Uh, do you follow what I'm saying? Am I? I think am I off so. base here. No, I don't know. I, I I think I'm following you, Todd. I mean, what it tells me is that we as the church have to be um, comfortable with our rituals, comfortable with our culture as a church, and recognize that these things are addressing basic human needs. I mean, certainly you can present the gospel in just a very plain building and a very plain service. Uh, unadorned, and you can preach law and gospel, and God will bless that. And I'm delighted. But there is something. Amen. But there is something about us as creatures that 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 responds well to ritual, to custom, to tradition, to um, adorning the, the the practices that we value. And I think that as the church, we can we can satisfy something deeply human. Uh, by by retaining the customs of our church, I mean, and retaining tradition, uh, you know, it, I think hmm. these things can help be vehicles to the gospel, and can also speak to this part of us that desires community and desires to resonate with the Creator, you know, or have a relationship with the Creator. And uh, you know, I think when we when we say, well, you know, I, mean, I don't mean me and you when I say we, but when we right. Lutheranism sometimes says, you know, we got to get rid of the rituals and we got to get rid of some of this liturgy and so forth in order to appeal to the various ones, I suspect, that are at these conventions. And we realize that they are simply doing what we do, but in a different, with a different expression. I don't know. I think right. that's, that's what I think is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, and so maybe a part of that does, does become, how do, how do we become comfortable or more comfortable in our own skin sort of collectively as the church and uh, and stop stop defending it in the sense of in the sense of we've got to argue it and stop accommodating in the sense of we've got to become like something else and how where does that uh, where does that tension lie and how is and how do we as how do we as pastors let's say um, serve serve people that because all of us have just like we all have different vocations we are all parts of different subcultures mm -hmm. and and in some respect I think you could argue that the family is really the first subculture that um, that we have it's the basis uh, of all how culture. Do, 
Right, right. Mm-hmm. And so how is it that I as a pastor can minister to, you know, this family with children that, you know, so you have all of these interla- uh, interlocking or overlapping circles and that sometimes are in competition with one another. And that could be something really obvious like the, do I go to the soccer game on Sunday morning or do I go, do I go to church on Sunday morning? But that, but that can also be much, much kind of deeper seated than simply a competition for time. Yeah. And and kind of finding, you know, and, and I'm thinking of uh, how we how we go through uh, ethical and moral, moral decision making, mm-hmm. you know, where those things are informed by the church, by the family, but also by school, by this, by the subgroups all the way down to, you know, how does the coach of the sports team uh, teach, teach their athletes how to interact with one another and with their opponents, yeah, you know, yeah. all, all the way down. Yeah, it's a it's a big, big, uh, big area. Now, now we had one more one more thing just to kind of round this out. Um, we didn't get to do a lot of this because we were sort of out of time and needed to get home. But um, but we also went to a panel discussion. Uh, and they have lots, and that's, this is kind of very big part of these things is panel discussions with artists, with all sorts of different people. And so we went to the um, uh, we went to the panel discussion on the on the bizarre and macabre. Wow! Okay. Or as you would say, macabre. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so in this uh, in this panel discussion, you've got three guys. One of them is a giant. He's like seven feet tall, and he is a sideshow performer, sword swallower, fire eater, this sort of thing. Perfect. Okay. So there's number one. This I kid you not. This sounds like a bad joke. So you got that guy. The next guy is a um, is a lead lead singer in a punk rock band called Fang. Okay. Where he's a recovering convict, recovering drug addict. And, you know, tattooed top to bottom, runs a tattoo parlor, but he writes songs and poetry primarily about mental illness, which was kind of a part of the hook that I found interesting because his mother was a schizophrenic. And then the next guy is a a collector of the macabre. He actually um, he actually runs a museum in Alameda called the Museum of the Macabre, where he's got like a a wall of art drawn by serial killers and, you know, just all sorts of bizarre, bizarre stuff. He had a couple bone implants in his forehead. So they're like horns and, uh, and his current, uh, his current artistic expression was blood painting where someone would come in and say, I want a portrait done of me. And he would draw their blood and then paint a picture of them in their own blood. Sweet. Um, You know, sort of out there right? <laughs> and so and so you got these three guys there and they're and they're talking uh just about why why do they do what they do you know why why does the one guy what drew him to learning how to swallow swords why does the next guy write a you know a punk rock song about um about schizophrenia and suicide and why does the why does the next guy uh, open a museum of the macabre, even when he himself says this stuff creeps me out. <laughs> um, what is it that motivates these people? And what I can, and we watched it for about forty minutes, something like that. 
what I came away from as an answer to that was none of them knew why they did these things. Yeah. They were just acting on impulse, at least overtly, that there is an impulse to be different, an impulse to uh, to both be different, but also to also to uh, fit in by being different. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Um and so, and you know, and all of them are at one level at least fairly normal people in terms of conversation and and everything else. But uh, but that uh, that you know, there's always one part of us that is drawn to the bizarre. Well, you know, I think. you know that I'm a huge fan of horror films. I know. And so I've actually read up on some of this stuff and I've read some of the sociology and the anthropology about horror and, you know, some of the theories that, that people propose as to the draw to things like horror movies. But, right. you know, everything else that you just described fits the same, the same description. So people seem to yep. have, you know, what, what they're drawn to, I think, is a sense of danger. I think there's a sense, you know, in each of those, in each of those cases, you know, they're confronting danger. They're confronting fear. Um, right, even right. the guy, even the guy getting the tattoos, getting, you know, people that, 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 you know, in, in body modifications like the horns in his head and stuff like that. Right. I mean, these are, these are, these are rituals of danger. They're instead of actually going through battle and combat, he's, he's taking marks on his body. I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, it's not that different from the tribesmen in Papua New Guinea <laughs> again, you know, who are yeah. scarring themselves. Isn't that interesting? Ritual scarification is, is, you know, well, anywho. Are we yeah. are we ready to move on to our next segments or <laughs> not well, that I'm pushing you want to talk about blood painting some more. I know how you like that sort of thing. <laughs> right, right. Right. Well, you know, I have a letter should... I, I have a letter from uh, a serial killer. That's my um that's my one bit of the macabre. Um David Berkowitz, son of Sam, is actually a Christian. He's a Christian and um I have a letter from him. I wrote to him and he wrote me back. So Wow. Well, there's your Does that scare you? Uh, there, there's your claim to fame yes, right there. Exactly. exactly. David Berkowitz. Yeah, well, son he, of Sam. He's a brother. He's a brother. <laughs> there you go. Oh gosh. <laughs> you never know what we're going to talk you about. You don't know Scott. what's going to happen. Well, let's get to the crux of the matter. Yes. Let's. Um well, I'd, and and if we were to say the crux of the matter of this is that uh, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee that that we uh that we are all in some in more overt ways than others searching for the fulfillment which can only come in Christ yeah and yeah. and and I don't I don't want to belittle I'm really not trying to belittle any of this so no, don't no, mishear no, me no, on this no, but I'm that is even. that is what this is sort of playing out Mm-hmm. Is, and 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 in some respects, I kind of like this more than the than the uh, than the obvious because you can see that something is not it, it is both right and yet strangely wrong. Yeah. in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that so it's both there. No, no question. Hmm. Well, before we get on to our next section. Uh, you can find show notes for this episode at thecruxofthematter.net slash podcast slash 15. 
And I hope you will go and check these out. We'll have links to uh, everything that we can find online that we've talked about in this episode. And I might encourage you to go look at some of this stuff because it's going to be a little bit off the beaten path for uh, for our normal things. Um, and our next our next section is called uh, our uh, friend of the show. And our friend of the show for this week is a uh, is a a pastor named Craig D'Onofrio. Uh, Craig D'Onofrio is the uh, program director or associate program director at KFUO Radio. Uh, KFUO is our our synods, our church bodies radio station. And Craig does a couple of different programs. One of them, the one that he does at KFUO or for KFUO is called the Reformation Rush Hour. Uh, and then the other program that he does, along with Pastor Bill Swirla, is called the God Whisperers. Um oh. And Reformation Rush Hour is a fun show. He does, it's a daily that is in that is broadcast live in the afternoons in the St. Louis area, but then is also available online. So happened that uh, that Pastor D'Onofrio was at at our district convention this past weekend, and he had uh, me and a couple other pastors uh, come come on his show and we talked about the the demons that pastors face for about an hour um and we had a fun time with that so uh so that's our friend of the show for this week you know craig scott uh yeah i know of him you know of him but you don't know him personally i I mean we're probably facebook friends but I, i don't know if we've really talked gotcha gotcha well he's uh he's worth getting to know yeah oh i agree i yeah. like him so what's bringing you joy this week scott <laughs> well guess what i changed my mind midway through our conversation just now because Excellent. yeah i because i remembered a book that i read a few years ago and todd if you haven't read this book I, i'd be surprised if i didn't recommend this to you sometime it's called the elfish gene and the subtitle is Dungeons, Dragons, and Growing Up Strange. Okay? It's a, it's a memoir by a guy named Mark Barrowcliffe. And this, he's, he's a British, he's an English person, but, uh, this is exactly the guy you're talking about. Although his, his sort of geekness and, and nerdiness was expressed more in the role playing games and Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. But he's, you know, he's writing what it was like growing up in that subculture. And one of the things hmm. is inter- one of the things that's interesting about this book is that, um, he does get onto some of these spiritual themes that we've been trying to discuss. And he has hmm. it, it, partly because, partly because one of his friends as a youth who was a dungeon master and all this kind of thing became an evangelical Christian. And so that, you know, it spurs all kinds of discussion, conversation about why am I, what am I looking for? What am I really looking for? But um, it's called the Elfish Gene because someone wrote a book called the Selfish Gene. So, so he wrote this on the sure. play on words: the Elfish Gene, Dungeon Dragons, and Growing Up Strange. Mark Barrowcliffe. I, I highly recommend it if you're interested at all in these kind of subcultures and getting to understand people. Um, it, it's it's a, it's a, it's just a very interesting read. Very interesting. Yeah. And no, I have never heard of that book before in my life. <laughs> I'm surprised but I never told you. Is- okay. As is usual, you are costing me money. Thanks a lot. <laughs> are you buying it even well, now? My, well, I'll try to restrain myself until we're actually not recording. Oh, okay. Um, my uh, what's bringing me joy this week, and this this, I I think it's been out for maybe a month, but I just got around to uh to downloading it today. Is 
uh, Lutheran service book, the current hymnal of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, is now available as a Kindle edition. Nice. And this is uh, this is something that I have been hoping for for a long time. Um, uh, not surprisingly, I'm not a huge fan of the uh, projected liturgies and and uh, and doing that sort of thing in worship. However, having uh, having the hymnal as a searchable and B in a way so that it can be enlarged to any size is, boy, you want to talk about accessibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has big, big implications, I think, for the ease of of uh, helping the visually impaired uh, in church or even the hearing impaired because there are methods for having something read to you out loud that's in a, that's in a print format. Um, I said I just just uh, downloaded it about an hour before we started recording, so I haven't had a lot of time to look at it. But uh, I'm very excited to see Concordia Publishing House releasing it like this, and uh, I think that that will have some really interesting possibilities in terms of, okay, so just for the sake of argument, I have uh, one man in my congregation that is uh, severely visually impaired. So we literally have to print out the bulletin in like a 150 point font in order for him to be able to see it. Well, that is that is um a swipe of two fingers on a Kindle <laughs> in right. order to uh increase the whole size. So, I don't know. Does that mean that we get a Kindle for him and and say or uh, or an iPad or whatever and say, "Okay, here's your here's your bulletin for Sunday." Yeah. I don't know, but I think it has a lot of interesting possibilities down the road. Totally. So, totally. Lutheran I, I, service book Kindle edition costs 20 bucks. What took so long? I don't know, but my guess, Scott, is that it was a licensing question um, because there are uh, – any hymnal is such yeah. a massive licensing process. Uh, that's my guess. Because but of I all the music know. and the different – in the right. licenses. Right. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. That's my guess. Okay. But uh, it's here now, and I'm very thankful for that. It will be interesting to see if they release it in any other formats like um, – an iBooks format or something else. My guess is no. CPH has a tendency to uh, to really lock themselves into one particular platform, which I don't actually think is smart. But you know, I'm not running it either. Um, so they'll probably just keep it in that Kindle format. Maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll release it in a Logos format as well at some point. They they do that sometimes, but we'll see. Good. So anything else before we uh, close up here, my friend? No, that's that's all I got to say. All right, that's our final final words for the day. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next time. All right, good, good. I think I think that was very entertaining. It's different. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think it was yep. good. I think it was really good. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, there, there and uh, yeah. I. I think that this kind of conversation forces us as pastors to start thinking about how we interact with people. Oh yeah. And and what are the what are the things that we do that um what are the things that we do that we do because of our own cultural bias? And and how do we how do we kind of get out of those things and make it so that the culture that we're bringing is the culture of the church? Mm-hmm. It's not simply the forty four year old 
white male culture or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And, you know, obviously sometimes those overlap, but not always. Right. Well, yeah. Who knows? I, I think it's oh, interesting. Fun. I think, yeah, I think it's definitely inter- raises lots of interesting questions. And, you know, I'm intrigued. I'm just as intrigued by those. I, I mean, you know, there's, there are horror conventions just as well. And, and where they bring in, you know, uh, stars from the show The Walking Dead and so forth. I get those kind of things sure. in the mail. I've never gone to one. That would actually scare me um, going to one of those a little more. But um, Oh, Scott, you got to do it, man. Yeah, You're yeah. going to be in L.A. Well, that's for sure. And You're I'm going to make be like in your backyard. I'm going to take advantage <laughs> of it. I mean, isn't there a really – I think there's a, the, you know an enormous Comic-Con annually in San Diego. Yeah, the big, the two biggest comic cons or three biggest comic cons are San Diego, New York, and Boston. Well, there you go. So um, I mean, I'm just yeah, going to be so, an hour and a half or so from there, so I'm going to for sure do that. Yeah, because why not? Yeah, <laughs> I, well, I think I'd enjoy it. I mean, I like all those kind of shows and movies and stuff too. I don't, yep. I don't, I don't actually read comic books, but I'm aware of them and you know aware of some of the sure. main things. So. Well, I think you're the one that that got me. Uh, hooked on the Watchmen. I love that. Years yeah. ago. Yeah. I which is, you know, it's a graphic novel, which right. is a fancy term for a long comic book. Right. But so, I think it's brilliant. Uh, so I think it's brilliant. It is. I agree. 